Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Interlingual World Lit Podcast. My name is Lisa Carter, your host, founder and creative director of Interlingo. Today, we have the great pleasure to hear from Michelle Grierson, author of the debut novel, Becoming Lida, which is based on Norse and Celtic mythology and some of her own um, forays into her own personal um, family history uh, as regards Norway. It's a wonderful conversation. And um, in this episode, you're actually going to hear from some other voices asking questions, sharing their thoughts. Uh, Michelle was kind enough to join us at one of my reading groups, and we thought it would be wonderful to share a broader range of perspectives with you. Thank you for listening, and we do hope you enjoy this conversation. Good. So, Michelle, welcome to the World Lit Collective. I'll just, you know, tell you a little bit about us, which I think I already did a little. But, um, yeah, we've been reading um, together for a couple of years now. And our really our whole purpose is to um, explore the world and ourselves uh, through books. So we read all kinds of genres, books from around the world, different cultures, people, way of seeing and being. Um, and that's the whole purpose is to kind of break out of our of our usual reading ruts and uh, you know, read different things and uh, not really get stuck in any one rut. <laughs> um, so that's the idea. And um, really a big part of the way we look at books is really just our own personal reactions to books, just that reader response, that what, what it makes us think and feel. And, uh, and so it's so exciting when we have um, the author here to speak with us and, uh, you know, to bounce these thoughts and perspectives um, and, and get, you know, real answers <laughs> to some of the questions that we inevitably have. So um, thanks again for being here. It's so great. Um, in some ways, this is a personal story, um, just because of your own personal connection. And you talk about blood memory and knowing somehow that, you know, you had Norwegian ancestry and a connection to the land and maybe the mythology and other things. But I'd love to hear you um, tell us a little bit about that personal part of the story. So my, my dad's family is from Norway. And, um, when they, when they came to North America, it was, it was in the 19th century and, uh, they first went to the States and then they ended up in Saskatchewan, uh, because they lived in Saskatchewan when I was born, I, I really didn't know them too well. Um, I only saw my grandmother, I think three times before she passed. Um, but, but I, you know, I grew up with stories from my father about, um, you know, his, his Norwegian grandparents and, um, they raised him until he was about 12. So, um, so that part of, of my Norwegian ancestry I knew about, but I didn't really fully understand the connection, um, until I started doing my own research. So I just, I, I got really interested in ancestry and and was curious and uh while I was doing that the story was birthing itself at the same time and I 
I guess I, you know, I kind of trusted my intuition a lot of the time. So when I was writing the story, um, details would come out and I would just be, you know, intuitively allowing them to come out. And then I would get confirmation after um, details were written. So that was really cool because I thought, oh, how does that happen? Like, how do I know that? Because I've never, you know, I've never been there. So how would I know? And then um, my son and I, when my son was was nine, um, I had the opportunity to go to Norway and actually plan a trip for just him and I. Um, and we were mostly on the water on the Western coastline. And I didn't know, again, I didn't know where my ancestors were were exactly from, but I thought I'm just gonna trust my gut and, uh, and ended up without knowing it, directly traveling in the path of, of my ancestry. Um, yeah, so that was really neat because after I, you know, it was about a three week trip and then we came home and, uh, and then I got confirmation from, uh, you know, people that my, my dad had lost touch with contacted me and they, we met and they had tons of pictures and, and lots of stories and, and they confirmed that yes, indeed, where I was traveling was exactly where, where her homesteads were. So, so that was very neat. That's amazing. That must've been such a special trip. Yes, it was, it was, it was epic as my son would say. Yeah. (laughs) Epic. Yeah. Oh, very cool. That's so neat. I would, I would love as we keep talking for you to share one of, if you, there's a chance, one of the details that you put in the story without then, you know, realizing until you'd been to the country. Um, One other question I want to ask you before, before I stop hogging you and turn it over to everyone else as well. But, um, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot in the group is that um, the blurb on a book doesn't always match our experience of the book. And so I love to hear from you when you tell people, yeah, I wrote this book. How do you describe it? What what do you say it's about? So that's always it's always tricky, right? Because <laughs> you don't want to give spoilers away, but at the same yeah. time, um, describing it enough to hook people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always say it's about a mother and a daughter. Um, so for me, that's the heart of the story. Um, very much connected to my own mom, who is right now severely um, suffering from dementia. Mm. Um, so again, <laughs> hindsight, right. I wasn't till later that I really understood how much I was writing, um, from a personal perspective, um, the mother daughter relationship. So I, I also talk about the fact that, you know, they're outsiders to the village that they are in, in 19th century Norway. And, um, that the daughter is born different. She's born with blue hands and feet and uh, webbing between her fingers and her toes. And that's usually as far as I I go, (laughs) um, because that's usually enough for people to go, what, (laughs) why (laughs) like read the book. So yeah. 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 Oh, I love that you said that it's about mothers and daughters because it is obviously, but I'm not sure it even like really emphasizes that on the back cover. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I always find that interesting. Just the difference, you know, there's so many ways to see a book and to talk about it. So. Um, Yay. (laughs) Thank you for writing it. And thank you for being here with us. It just, it was a treat the whole, for me from page two all the way through. Yay. I loved it. Wonderful. 
I'm left with a lot of, I don't know what really happened in the book. So some things that I am left with. What are we talking about when we're talking about the skin? What is that? What is Maiva? Is she half human, half sea creature? Can maybe just, I have like 75 questions, but I'll stop. <laughs> and, and if there's no answer, I also am open and, and completely want to honor, like if there is no answer and there is no like reality with it, then that's okay too. Yeah. So, um, so the book is based on the myth of the Selkie and, and I, I, I grew up with this myth. Um, so I, you know, from the time I was a kid and, and I'm, I'm just learning now how many people have never heard of this myth, um, which for me, I was like, what, <laughs> how could that be? But, um, but yeah, so the myth of the Selkie, it's, it's, it's a myth that is um, quite common to, um, well, it's Celtic, but it, but it's also common to Greenland, um, to the Faroe Islands, to Shetland, to the Orkneys, um, to Ireland. So it's really focused on that part of, of the world. Um, and it's basically the, the myth tells the story of a fisherman who finds uh, a Selkie who is half human, half seal. So the myth says that um, they can come out of the water for, for a time period and basically take their skin off and become human. If a fisherman finds the skin, then she's, she's obligated to marry him um, because he, he takes the skin and, and basically steals it from her and hides it. So she has to go with him because that, that skin is her, that's her essence. Um, there are different versions of the myth. The, the one version that, that I'm used to is that uh, she has children with the fishermen and, and the children, one of the children finds the skin and, and returns it to um, their mother. And then of course she, she can go back to where she's, where she's supposed to be. So that's the myth. Um, and my, you know, my, my telling of it, of course, is my, you know, my invention, uh, but it's based on, on that myth. So she's half, half human, half seal. Okay. Thank you. That's super helpful. <laughs> and the yeah. person she's originally in love with or romantically attracted to, mm -hmm. what is that person? What is that entity? So, um, well, you, uh, you know, at the beginning, you don't really know un until you see this um, shapeshifter actually morphing into different animals. Um, and so it's supposed to be representative of, of the Norse god Odin, who is, you know, kind of the probably most well-known god um, in the Norse uh, cosmology. Um, and my, my take on that, because everything that I had ever heard about Odin, again, from childhood and onward, um, was, was very much rooted in war and, and battle and, um, you know, kind of darker um, stories. And I just wondered, well, you know, he must have loved, right? So I, I decided that I, that, that shapeshifter would, would actually be Odin. 
And that kind of came organically because I was writing it just, and I wasn't sure like, who is this shapeshifter? And then there were details, as I said before, that kind of just came out. And then when I checked, I was like, oh dear. <laughs> so he only has one eye. Why is that? And it matched Odin's story. So I kind of just trusted the gods and, uh, and let that come through. Because the way that the book came to me, it was, it felt like it came in it almost in quilt patches. That's the only way I can really describe it. And, and I guess, you know, the metaphor of the quilt that Mava was making also relates and also, also the Norns who were, you know, stitching and tearing apart people's lives. And so I, I guess that's why, I guess that's why the gods decided to, to give it that way. Um, and my editor, I actually had, had done some, some more definitive things in it. And my editor was like, let's pull back, let's pull back, let's pull back mm -hmm. at the beginning because um, she really wanted the readers to be in kind of this mysterious place because I mean, the whole book is, is, you know, it, it kind of exists in the in-between, like everything is sort of in-between, like Maeve is in-between the water and the land and Lyda is in-between as well, between her parents and she's also becoming things. And so that state of liminality, I guess, is, is the word that I would use, is the entire book. Um, so, and, and Hild's identity, um, we held back on for quite a while. Um, on purpose because we wanted you to really wonder like who is this person and why why does she have it in for Mada? so well that definitely worked and just you know as you're saying that that whole liminality i think that's what i loved so much about this book was that um i was allowed to be a part of it by figuring it out or by feeling a bit uncertain and it made me be more engaged as a reader as opposed to just consuming and I really liked that I liked that sort of it also reminds me too like to me when I was thinking about the book after there there's all this um yeah, this continuity, like there is, you know, past, present, future, which actually I have a question about later, because there is no real future. And I'd like to know your thoughts on that. But there's the past, present and the future, you know, there's gods, humans and animals, there's like, there's just this sort of stretch or this continuity between um, between all of the worlds and all of the things, there's myth and there's reality and there's somewhere in between Mava is living. Um, were you consciously thinking about those sort of trines as well? To me, it feels like there's, there's trines everywhere. Yeah, so um, I, I, I was very aware that there were threads. I, I mean, I call them threads, but um, when I was writing the book, I knew that I, I wanted the Norse cosmology of time to kind of structure the book, um, which basically it's, it's kind of like, I always use a blanket when I have one. So it's basically like, like here's the past and here's the present and then here's the future. And so it, so it, it all layers on top of one another. And so that means all times exist at the same time. It's all one. Um, 
we think it's like this, but that's just our consciousness. That's the, the you know, what we can handle. Um, so Norse cosmology would say that, you know, it's not really past because it, it kind of sits right beside present and what's possible or what's, what's to come. Is it written yet? I don't know. Um, so that, that kind of structured the, the way that the story was written. And then I, I almost felt like the, the myth of the Norns was, it, they were holding that, they were holding that blanket. Mm -hmm. And even though there's not a lot of them in the story, there's enough to understand that there's something else at play, that it's not just um, everyday reality that we're, we're dealing with. And so, you know, the, the myth is that they sit at the, the base of Ig Yggdrasil, which is the world tree. And they sit there and they, you know, they, they weave, they, they stretch thread and they cut thread and they weave these patterns um, of, of reality for, for, for all of the nine worlds, which again is a Norse concept of all these worlds that basically hang off the tree. So, so that was, that was the image that I, I, I was working with. And, and, um, and then that just, again, thread threaded itself through all of, all of the details. So, you know, Mava is literally, you know, drying up and flaking off and losing her, you know, her essence because she's being forced to be something that she's not. And, um, so she's collecting all these bits of herself and her daughter and trying to grasp what's left of that. And, 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 you know, that someday her daughter will be able to look back on this particular, you know, concrete thing of this blanket and be able to use it in some magical way. Um, so yeah, so threes were, threes were really um, important. Um, and I, I, it's just a magical number um, that we see again and again in literature, but uh, it was particularly important about time and uh, you know, the, the three Norns and um, even, even just the women that are in the book, it's either, you know, Maeve and Halgar and Hild. So yeah, it, it, it was, it was kind of that's, and it came out naturally. Like I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't planning it. It just kind of spun itself. So thank you for the book. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. I, um, I know this is petty, but uh, there's one thing that I also really liked on page 59. At one point, you're describing things. And I don't know if it's just a, a common tool, but all the words run into one another. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was fantastic, making me feel the um, the oneness of, of, of life. And so uh, great, great technique. Yeah, I think the, 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 the um, reference, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, I do have my book here, but um, is, is probably when um, Lida is changing, I think is probably the one with it, that, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and that, that was just a, <laughs> when I was playing around with space on the page, which I don't, I don't know how often because again, this is new to me too. I don't know how often um, publishers allow for us to play with space on the page. Um, I'm a very visual person. 
So I started to play around with, you know, what does, what would it feel like if suddenly you were everything and nothing at once and, and how, how all the, all the boundaries and all the spaces in between those categories, those words would just disappear. And it would just be this long string of, you know, like water, like a waterfall. Um, hi, Michelle. Hi. Thank you very much for being here and congratulations on the book. It's really a really, really good book. I really enjoyed it. I have lots of things to say, so I'll try to summarize. And I have um, maybe one question. So I was completely, completely engaged after the first paragraph. Yay! <laughs> it was that it was that good and it was that well written. And I remember, I even remember writing a message to Lisa after, I think it was after the second chapter to precisely to tell her, oh my God, this is so well written. And I'm also loving the story, but it's very well written, <laughs> you know, but it, you. but it was, it was just two chapters. So I, I didn't really know that much about the story yet. Um, but the story is really, you were talking about, um, about how you threaded the story and it was extremely well threaded, you know, because it could have gone so many ways and, you know, it could have gone wrong very easily. And I don't think it does at any point, you know, it is that well threaded um, or well, in my opinion, anyway. Um, I think the words were chosen very carefully all through the book. And that's, you know, that's, I think readers should appreciate that too, because books are not just about the story. They are about the story and they are about the words that have been chosen to write that story, I think. Um, so, so basically what I'm trying to say is basically this book has absolutely everything. Words, very well written, story, amazing, structure is great. I mean, I understand what you were explaining about the, um, the different, you know, the, but the past and the present and the future and how that, how that is very important in um, Norse mythology. But, um, but I think it was the perfect structure for the book too, because you were talking about your editor telling you about you know wanting the book to be in this mysterious place and I think it is all the time every single page even when you give us details more details that help us understand even then there's still some mystery and for me it was um it was really, really surprising when we find out not only that Pieter is with um, or was with Hilde, but that he believes in witchcraft and he asks for help. But he's been telling, you know, and, and all that we had been offered as readers up to that point was Pieter rejecting you know yeah yeah my wife is weird and my child well mm, special okay but yeah yeah it's okay everything is okay that was our perspective and it turns out 
he not only does he believe in that, but that he believes that will solve all his problems, you know? So I, th I think that was genius. Um, let me see, what else? Oh, the, um, the different, the, the offering of different perspectives through the book makes the story obviously much, much richer. And, oh, I wanted to tell you that even though I was completely engaged after the first paragraph, you really, really got me with the chapter of the fox at the very beginning, the very first time that we start, the, the very first chapter that we know of the shapeshifter, even if we don't know what he is yet, that he's going to change shapes and I thought, oh my God, is, is she going to give us like the perspective of the animals as well? I don't know why, but I'm into this. I mean, this is getting really, really exciting and good. You know, it was just, it was just like, you built this world so well. It was just, it was just, I don't know, great. It was genius and magical. So I guess I have a question, if I may. <laughs> yes, please. Um, I was wondering, I, I really, I really like the structure, like I said, so I was wondering, uh, from the point of view, of view of the writing process, did you know from the very beginning that that was the way you were going to structure the story? Or, or not, what was there another version in which it was not structured that way? Or, or how did it work? Yeah, so the structure was like, it really was there at the beginning. Um, but originally like the, you know, the very first draft that, that um, my editor and I worked on, everything was written in present tense. So even though there were time flips, um, I, I had everything in present tense because I, in my mind, I wanted everyone to understand that there is only now. But then my editor very wisely said, I think we should put past tense in for the past tense chapters because <laughs> she, she, you know, she was worried that people would be very confused if there was no indication of, of yes, this is a time flip now. So that was, you know, that's one of those signals to the readers, um, you know, that now you're in the past. Um, but the, the actual structure of, you know, flipping back and forth between perspectives that, that was originally there. And, um, for me that, you know, Lida was really the unreliable narrator, she, you know, because she's a child and seeing the world through her eyes was just so it brought more magic to the book. Um, and it, it gave more mystery as well, because she really didn't know what was happening. And she kind of builds this the suspense um for the reader through her eyes and then the you know the um the shape shifting i i i just started to play around with like how many animals could i make him <laughs> which was fun because you know some chapters ended up being really short but again I, I love that on the space on the page is just a few words and and it i don't know i i love i i love reading a book like that where it's not just a standard A to B to C to D and everything's kind of laid out for the reader. I like to work a little bit when I, when I read. So I suppose I, I wrote a book that I'd like to read. I suppose. <laughs>
once the book has left your hands and left the editor's hands as well and comes into our hands as readers, you know, that's a whole process of letting go as well, because we're all going to have our own perspective of what the story means and how it impacts us and what we take from it. What's, what's that like for you as the author? Yeah, it's, it's been really interesting actually. So, um, I just, I just went to a, a book club, um, campfire, um, with a bunch of women that, that had chosen the book, um, that are just local to, to where I live. And that was really, really great to just sit around and, and hear it. And, and I just witnessed the whole thing. I, I wasn't really answering that many questions. I was just watching and listening to, um, you know, kind of the ideas floating back and forth between people. Well, I thought it was like this and I, I, I didn't take it that way. So, and, and people's responses to the characters, you know, like one woman was, was adamant that Peter, he, he's a good man. And, and that <laughs> a lot of the women in the circle did not want to hear that. No, I, I think underneath it all, he is, he means well. And yeah, so um, it's fascinating um, because, you know, the characters are in my head and they're, they're very, um, yeah, they're very, very much a part of me too. So it's interesting to, to, to hear what people's responses are to those characters. Like for instance, Hill, uh, lots of people have, have kind of painted her as the villain. And I, I, I don't think of her as a villain. I just think of her as a woman who, who really was treated quite poorly by, by her lover and, and, you know, doesn't know what to do with all this jealous, jealous rage or anger or whatever. And it's coming out in dark ways, but I, you know, I don't necessarily think she's a villain. So, but that's just me, you know, obviously people are going to interpret um, in different ways, but yeah, it's been very interesting. It's also interesting to hear people's criticism as well. Um, you know, like developing a tough, tougher skin about that and, and understanding that some, you know, it, this structure of a, of a book is not for everyone, obviously, because, I love ambiguity. I love breadcrumbs left so that I can follow the trail. And some people do not want that. When they read, they want it to be effortless. They want to escape and they don't want to, you know, flip through and go, where am I? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand what time period I am, you know? So um, that's, that's, yeah, that's fascinating too, to go, okay. So, so maybe, maybe less ambiguity for some people would, would be better. And yeah, so all good. It's all learning, you know. Exactly. And, and you're going to write the book that you write and you're going to offer the story that you offer. And, you know, as readers, we all just experience it, you know, for yeah. what it is and in our own way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I actually, so, uh, um, I've heard lots of um, writers talking about Goodreads saying it's, you know, Goodreads is not a platform for writers. It's a platform for readers and the writers need to just, you know, not worry about it. It's, it's a conversation that's for readers. Um, and, and so I, like, I heard that a few times from other writers going, okay, then I, you know, that makes me feel much more, um, able to be detached rather because at the beginning, you're just like, oh, what do people think? You know, you're so attached to that, but I'm not so worried about that anymore. Um, you know, it's out there. It's, it's, you know, like a kid, <laughs> 
that you raise your child and you just hope it's, it's going to find its way. So I, I hope that, you know, Lida finds her people, you know, the way Maeve was with Lida was complex. Um, and I, I like that because I think there's so many different choices moms have to make to protect their child or prepare their child for what's coming or prepare the child to, um, survive or to get the child out or to get the child. So society's not attacking them because they have big feet or, or whatever. So that, that part of the relationship was, was really thought provoking to me. Yeah. I, I think with, um, you know, for me, the, the relationship between Mava and, and her daughter, it was, it was so, um, rooted in secrets because Lida really didn't understand, you know, anything about who she was or why they had to hide her. I mean, she knew she was different, but she really didn't understand the gravity behind that, um, the reason and, and the decision to do that. And, and for me, you know, and, and, and again, I think this is reflective of my own experience with my own mother. Um, I didn't really understand myself until I understood some of the secrets that my mom felt she had to keep. And, and there's something, I don't know, really, um, profound about, about discovering those secrets and knowing that she kept them to protect me. And yet it was also the thing that needed to be, uh, revealed for me to really understand who I was. Um, and again, I think that comes back to blood memory and, you know, ancestral, ancestral traumas and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it was a, it, it, it was a complicated, um, relationship. And I also think, you know, and, and this is something that I've seen in my own life and as well as, you know, in, in friends lives that, that conventional setup of, which of course, that's the time period of, of, you know, what, what the roles and responsibilities are of a mother and a father and how that's, you know, seen by the child. And so, you know, her father could come home after days being away at sea and, and, you know, he would, be seen as as the hero and let's play and he you know he could be really light with her um you know there's a scene where Mava is inside the, the, the cottage or the cabin and she's watching her husband uh you know pick Lida up and and they're spinning around and they go into the barn and they're playing and and she's she's so she wants to do that but she can't, she's like no because the work will will just wait for me and I have to get all of this done and, and I'm the one that needs to keep everything moving forward and everything together and keeping the, the family, you know, that, that stitching of literal and figurative of, of, you know, the family unit. And so I, I, I know I felt it when I looked at my parents, I, I, I would be resentful of my mom, you know, at certain times because she had to be, you know, no, we need to do this right now. Um, and so I, I wanted that to be a part of 
a part of how Lila experienced her, her father and, and her resentment of her mother, because she knew something needed to be revealed and she was resentful of that, but she didn't even know that on a conscious level. Yeah. And there was just to highlight that too, there was that one scene where, um, Pieter takes her to church and she comes home with the bloody boots and, you know, it's, you know, why did you have to cut her just before, you know, we went to church and I think Mava basically says to him essentially, okay, next time, you know, you do the cutting and he's like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> exactly and and it that really did just highlight again that um you know the things a mother has to do for for the child and and the hands-off sort of role that the father could play mm-hmm. yeah I, I thought that peter was an interesting character because he he almost always got it both ways. I mean, he wanted it both ways and he, he nearly got it. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he, he portrayed this good Christian, which he wasn't, um, the loving husband, which he wasn't, um, the doting father, which he really wasn't, um, the honest man, which he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> the friend to Hilde, which he wasn't. Um, and he, I mean, he got away with a lot of stuff for a long time. Um, but then in the end, things sort of caught up with him. Um, not fast enough, I thought. Um, I mean, not not as a criticism to the book, but I... You know, I started thinking, dude, you really need a kick between them. Mm-hmm. And he he eventually sort of got it. Um, and he, I mean, he was very, I, I didn't understand this until later, but he was very hypocritical throughout the whole thing. And um, I mean... So here's this woman that is his prize and he rapes her. Um, he, he, she's half seal. I, I didn't understand the myth until I just, until you explained it. So now it made, then it made complete sense that he would have seal finger. Um, I looked that up, that actually really does exist. And then it makes sense that he would have seal finger and people started asking him, so you have seal finger, what have you been doing? And he's like, nothing. Um, and maybe he didn't kill any seal, but clearly yeah, he got seal finger in other ways, maybe during the rape. Um, and so, it, I mean, it, he's, he's become, he went from being this blonde, blue-eyed, nice looking, I can do no harm dude to really the biggest villain. And it happened so subtly that it took a while for me to catch on. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think he's the villain in the book for sure. Um, but like I said, lots of people have 
tried to argue otherwise, you know, that his intentions are good. And um, I think, I think he's, he's a man who um, feels like he is noble, you know, that he's, he, that he, he's doing noble things. He's taking care of his family and he's sacrificing and he's, you know, um, saved Mava in his mind. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, if he has, if, if, if she was given to him by the gods, I mean, how can you argue with that? Can't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and you're right. He's, he, he has the facade that he has, you know, that he, that he uses to, 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 you know, convince others of his noble, um, soul. I, he's very hypocritical, you know, it's, it's, it's not truly what, what is underneath. And I, I think he is capable of, 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 of loving, you know, he has tender moments with his daughter. Um, Mm -hmm. but ultimately he, he really didn't see, you know, he didn't see Mava. He didn't see what she'd been through and he didn't even see his daughter really, because why would he, you know, take her to church and not see that she's bleeding through her shoes and, you know, until she gets home kind of thing. So yeah, he's, he's very self-absorbed, I would say. And if anyone wants to share, I would like to share, and I would love for you to as well, Michelle, it's like, if there's anything you're going to take away from the book and what you, Michelle, took away from, from writing this book. Well, first of all, thank you so much. It's, it's wonderful to be invited. Um, you know, the pandemic has made it such a weird, such a weird year, but also, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't have anything to compare it to because it's my first book, but, (laughs) but definitely things have been maybe not the way that they would normally be. So, um, thank you. I, I appreciate it. I love, I love hearing people's responses and, and so that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and yeah, thank you so much all of you for or reading the book, even if you only got to page 36, I really appreciate <laughs> that you had the book. Um, I love that you read the ending. I think that's so brave. <laughs> I've so, I've so many times that I, you know, where I've picked up a book and I'm like, I just want to know the end and I, I've resisted, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I love it. Um, so what have I, t- yeah. What would I take away from writing the book? Well, I think for me, it's two things and I've already mentioned them already, but it's, it's the mother daughter connection. Um, and, and this is, again, it's a personal, um, really it's very personal for me because my mom doesn't recognize me anymore. Sorry, I'm going to cry. Um, so all of the secrets that I don't know. And, and I will never know. Uh, I really, really appreciate um, all of those threats that I can't possibly know. Sorry, that's my dog. Um, and, uh, and so that part, um, even just the way Mava fragments in the book and that she just kind of dissolves. So I didn't know, of course, when I was writing it, that this is where I would be with my mom. 
And again, I, I'm, I'm always fascinated by the creative process and, and how much you don't know. And then, you know, two years later, wow. Um, so I'm very grateful to the gods for that. Mm. Um, yeah, so that for me, that, that mother-daughter thing, <laughs> that mother-daughter thing, she just knows when I'm upset. I know, um, I was just going to say she knows you're upset. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's the first thing that I just, uh, there's so much there and whether or not you have a good relationship or, a, or a fraught one, I think there's just so, so many things to examine. Um, and the second thing is that, that, um, magic and I, and, and just the awareness that there's all these invisible energies and threads and um even creatures that's that's what i believe i you know that you get ideas and they kind of float around and if you're open enough they drop down and then you're gifted with it so i often say well i i don't feel like i wrote the book i feel like i kind of channeled it and mm -hmm. that the characters knew what they wanted to say and and i just made myself open enough to receive um that so i'm always very aware that there's magic everywhere and and I daily look for it so um the book confirmed that for me amazing yeah you know I just have to say as the daughter of someone who passed away from Alzheimer's I feel you intensely I understand so much of that and um yeah, I hadn't thought of that in terms of Mava, but wow, what a incredible thing for you to have in some way processed before you, you know, have to live it. Incredible. That time thing. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, amazing. Lainey. Yeah, I have something to say about that time thing. So um, my takeaway is that there you were writing the book in the present, really using the voice of the present, really writing the book in the present and open and receiving. And then when you go and you step back and you find out that there were those blood memories and there's the thread of the past that actually lives in the present, even when we're not trying. And I'm a, I'm a big like, you know, now and presence and, and try to, but that, that gift of that ancestral thread is still there and the Norans and that I think there's just something really remarkable and magical for me about hearing your perspective about trying to kind of boots on the ground, make it in the present and the past through all of these different ways. And I suppose the future as well with your mother and your own life experience, the past and the future found their way in anyway. And really, I don't think the Norans would have had it any other way, right? <laughs> the other two, the past and the future Noran are, are not certainly not gonna tolerate the center stage of the present. They're, they all three have to exist in order to have it and that the book 
came to life in that same way that the book, that the author of the book, the creator of the book, the, the, hold, the holder of the magic wanted it to be anchored in the, pre wanted it to be in the present. And the book fought its way through, whether that's through <laughs> Odin or yeah. the blood memories or the editor, the book found its way into the trine as well. And yeah. I would not ever have known that if you hadn't come and talked about it. And I'm just incredibly grateful to see that perspective. Thank you, this has been Magical. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Anyone else have a takeaway? I do. Mm -hmm. um, my takeaway is more, more related to today's talk and having listened to what Michelle had to say. So I would my takeaway would be the magical aspect of the book, but not the magical aspect that I mentioned when I, when I talked about the book, but the magical aspect in regards to Michelle, in regards to the book not being as much written as channeled. And I'm sorry, I, I know a lot of work went into it I'm not I know and the work with your editor and all of the writing and I know I know that I, I don't intend to say that there was no work in the writing but it's the, the book is very different for me the book is very different now because before I just thought it was written I just saw an author sitting down for however many hours and changing words and writing commas and deleting commas and, you know, changing things. And while that was there, there was something else that I'm not sure we would have known if we hadn't had Michelle here tonight. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate it. And I thank you and congratulations again. And this was just great and magical too yeah thank you beautiful yeah I think it's similar for me for me my takeaway is you know when I read the book the first time it was that floating magical just ethereal letting it be what it was even if I didn't understand it all entirely and just just experiencing it um, and then you know before talking tonight I looked at the book again and I just think that that is one of the biggest gifts of it for me is just remembering that things are layered they can be deeper if we take a moment if I take a moment to yes experience it but then also look at it and listen to it and talk to you and you know just that multi-layered ability to always go a little bit deeper to understand a little bit more even if what you understand is that you don't understand you know and just just that beautiful richness that depth that I I think we can find in this book but I think I can find in so many more ways in my life if I give it the chance so thank you Michelle thank you so much for coming really a pleasure um and uh, I know we're all excited for your next book whenever that one <laughs> comes to life. So, so please, we'll be watching for it for sure. 
Does anybody else have any final things? Nadesti? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I have any takeaway because I haven't read the book, but mm-hmm. um, I, I realized just as going through the discussion today and listening to Michelle, um, I really like the title. Mm-hmm. Becoming. And in some way, I'm always becoming. To me, um, there's never an ending. We're always becoming and doing as long as I have to remember, you know, all the experiences that I have and everything can. And I say that all the time to my clients. <laughs> I don't kind of think of it myself. But yeah, so I sitting here now, the, the title is really much more, has more meaning. So thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, I, I've had a few people ask me why that, why that title. And um, for me, I think every, we're always becoming, you know, we never fully arrive, right? It's, it's all about experiencing and those experiences morph inside of us and we become something else and, mm-hmm. and identity is so fluid and you know, it was a literal title, you know, Lida becomes things, but it was also, you know, that idea that she's becoming herself too. And, and finding that, that truth that is sometimes hard for us to um, really understand or, or even, even sit with. Um, so thank you. Yeah. I, I appreciate that about the title. Yeah. And I wonder if it's not also like becoming Michelle. And, right? <laughs> yeah, and me too. <laughs> you're stepping in, right? Right. And for me as a reader and experiencing it and coming to this evening and hearing all of this, I wonder if it's not also becoming Lainey. Like it's just giving sort of, well, that past, present, future, and each of us is stepping into, and I think coming away from a conversation like this with more possibility that's then stepping into a future that never was that future was never going to happen if you didn't come here show up tonight for us and say the things that you said and we take it in and hear it and the conversation and it just i think it leaves everyone changed so everyone then just from this hour and 40 minutes together is becoming the themselves more themselves or or the next themselves or the true, the authentic self. So really cool. Extra cool. Mm-hmm. That was, that was mind blowing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mind blowing and true, true. Like, you know, we, none of us become who we are without the experiences that we have. And, and this sure was one. Yeah. Well, thank you, Michelle. And I will be in touch about the podcast. And um, if everyone else can, if you've still got 15 more minutes, I'll, we'll share about November. But um, All right. thank, thank you. you so much, everybody. That was really great. It was really great to hear all your responses. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.